0: KMW. i'm melissa and i'm stephanie Karkache. and we're two sisters and the founders of millennial women and your host of millennial women talk our guest today sage grazer is passionate about facilitating the healing process through understanding the interplay of environmental psychological and biological factors as well as strengthening the mind-body connection she is the co-founder and chief clinical
1: officer of frame a mental wellness platform that aims to make therapy more accessible by offering free digital discussions and therapy-matching services.
0: We are thrilled to welcome Sage to the show. Welcome. Sage, we are so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So tell us,
1: what got you interested in the
2: fields of mental health? Well, I actually started my mental health journey. I mean, we all start our journeys before we're born, but um, I started my therapy journey as a teacher and it was really formative for me and it helped me understand myself and understand how, how and why I was reacting to the world in certain ways because... As a teen, you kind of grow up and you feel like you're an anomaly, and you're the one that's, you know, like, why am I freaking out about all these little things? And then you realize that this has a lot to do with just the ways that you were raised. And so, <laughs> learning about psychology, learning about myself, was uh, really important to me. And so, then that's what led me to want to pursue being a therapist because my therapist for me had been so important. And I thought, I want to be that person to someone else.
0: Yeah. I love, I love that. that. That's so sweet. I do see like intergeneration, like we we do have more of these struggles and we're more prone to like feeling very negative about our own personal journeys. And I love that you were curious about yours, but a lot of us, like I, we've it a lot of within our community, you know, this whole societal pressure, right. Mm-hmm. Of like, where am I supposed to be in life and what am I supposed to do? Right. That's the big, big and Why point. haven't I arrived at X? Exactly. Yeah. Like how, how have you in your own personal journey and also how do you, help your clients and just accepting, Mm -hmm. you know, our own unique purpose and
2: own rhythm in this life? It's a great question. You know, it's something that's always a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, it's important to yourself that these ideas of, you know, where we're supposed to be or how things are supposed to be or where I should be at 30 or, you know, where I should be when I was 25, um, that these are all things that we've, in our own minds based on our own thoughts, the way we were raised, our society, our culture. And so because they're self-imposed, we can also modify them and make you know make them our own. So to adjust that and recognize that we don't have control of over the world, you know, for this year has really set that precedent where again a lot of people had different ideas of what this past 2020 was going to look like for themselves. Uh, you know, you have to adapt and be able to say, okay, well, maybe I don't have that house and job that I thought I was going to have when I was at this point, but how can I be okay with where I'm at now? And also still like, I'm still striving for more and I'm still learning right. and I still want to grow. Being okay with where you are doesn't mean that you don't want to move forward.
0: I love that yeah. because I mean, like it's something that I've personally struggled with. And my sister is like my best friend and a <laughs> therapist, honestly, like I, I talked to her about everything and just where I'm at in life. And, and sometimes a lot of people are just like, well, focus on the good, focus on the good. And I definitely do. It's like a state of gratitude. And I've accepted like, this is where I'm at, but I don't want to stay here. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, I love that you said that just because you're okay with where you're at doesn't mean you don't stay there. Right. That you can still strive. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you balance that in the sense of like, how do you have self-compassion for yourself and still be able to, you know, push yourself as well and be like, well, you got to get going. So like, I have
2: love and respect for you, but you got to get going. Like, how do you handle that? It's also a great question. You know, finding that balance, what I often encourage people to do is to ask themselves, is this helpful or harmful when it comes to certain thoughts that they're having? Because you might have a thought like, you know, I this is where I should be, or this is what, you know, a 30 year old is supposed to look like or a right. 35 year old or whatever it is. This is what it's supposed to look like. And if you're holding yourself to these thoughts and you're, you're saying, you know, kind of beating yourself up or you're comparing yourself to maybe your peers and saying, you know, they have this job or again, they're at this point in their career, or they're having kids and I'm not having kids yet. Um, ask yourself, are these helpful or harmful thoughts? Are these thoughts actually motivating me to grow and motivating me to go out and get that job or for ask, to ask for that promotion, or are they just demoralizing and making me feel actually just more stuck in where I'm at rather than actually motivating and moving you forward?
0: So good. is it yeah. helpful or harmful? harmful? Yeah, love that that's so
1: important, right? because I think we do have to kind of like distinguish the two mm-hmm. and another thing like fomo, right, which is like a very <laughs> A popular (laughs) word around. And I feel like in a lot of ways, even during this year, yes, the majority of people have suffered a lot this year. You still see those people still kind of living pretty good. They're not traveling, but you know, they're pretty good. Do you think that people looking at others, right, or just FOMO in general, especially on social media, do you think that that affects our mental health in like a big way? Or how, how do you think that FOMO affects our mental health?
2: I think that FOMO is actually, you know, as silly as it sounds um is such a huge factor for our mental health Mm -hmm. because if you think about what fomo really is it's the fear it's a fear-based situation it's a fear of missing out and it's often in part a fear that we're being left behind or that we're going to be left out of our group our friend group Mm -hmm. or our social group or our family group or whatever it is so it's a fear-based experience which is very primal and can be very activating and so i think that it's it's a huge issue you know, it's another kind of helpful, harmful situation where, okay, if scrolling through social media and seeing your friends' versions of whatever they're traveling looks like, you know, because again, we don't really know what it's like, but if that's helpful for you because you like feeling like you're seeing their life and you feel included, great. But if that, again, feels more harmful where you're finding yourself, putting yourself down, comparing yourself, feeling like, oh, I'm not having as much fun as they are. I'm not doing this kind of, you know, banana bread baking (laughs) adventure that they are. Right. Um, you know, like, is this help move me forward or is this putting right. me down? Right. Oh my gosh.
0: God, that the is... banana
1: bread. <laughs> Listen, I didn't even try it because I was like, it's just too much. Even watching it was too much. I was like, I just can't. I don't even want to try it myself. So
0: funny. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about trauma because I feel like it is a common word that we hear within our generation. Um, And, you know, some some things that people don't know of what we heard is that sometimes trauma isn't necessarily a huge event, but you could still have experienced trauma. Can you help us understand what trauma is?
2: Absolutely. Like you said, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, um, you know. But trauma occurs when our ability, whether it's like physically or psychologically, our our capacity to cope is overwhelmed by a threat. And that threat could be a perceived threat or it could be a real threat to our safety. And so when that happens, when we get overwhelmed in that way, our, we react in a different way, you know, we become activated, we don't use our logical brain, we go to a primitive survival state. And then also our memories are stored in a different way than they are normally, because we're not able to have that same kind of rational mind. And so that's why when people have traumatic experiences, they often feel like they're reliving it maybe, you know, in that moment, over and over and over, even though maybe it happened 10 years ago, um, because it was stored in a different way within their brain's memory system.
0: I mean, it's something that I always, it always crosses my mind, you know, for example, like our grandfather, um, and he's from an older generation and, you know, he experienced very traumatic events. So he became an orphan at a very young age. His parents died when he was young. He fled communist Cuba. I mean, massive traumatic events, you know, happened in his life, but yet he never mentioned to us. And nor to our family, because I've always asked this to my mom. He never mentioned the word depression or that he was depressed or anxious. It was always like he was on the go, you know, like he we always remember him as being a person that never really sat still. And it made me wonder. Was that a coping mechanism for him or you know, why is our generation more prone to like these, you know, traumatic events affecting us so much to the point that we daily suffer from depression and anxiety and vocalize that to whereas older generations,
2: maybe they just had different coping mechanisms. I think that's a great point that you bring up and that generationally, you know, there are different norms in terms of what we talk about, what we don't talk about. Um, So I think, but working in part for our generation is that more people right. are aware of their trauma and they're more willing to address uh, address it. Um, whereas some older generations experienced very serious traumas, like you described, right? But they may not be willing to even identify them or acknowledge them as traumas. You know, it's not uncommon that I work with clients and I'll ask them, "Have you ever experienced trauma?" You know, in in this initial kind of intake process, and they'll say no, and then we get into it and we're talking about it, and then they describe know some very intense traumatic experiences or things like you just described Mm -hmm. where that they don't even you know so i think that people deal with it in different ways and that part of the issue is that if you address the trauma you do enact the trauma you know so if you don't verbalize it you don't understand it you don't process it you don't heal from it it's still going to be there with you it's just going to come out in different ways and you may it may come out in harmful ways or it might come out in ways that seem productive like keep busy all the time um, to avoid feeling a certain way.
1: Mm, Yeah. I mean, do you think it's important that we address it as individuals? Like, is it something that we could do like the older generation and just kind of, I don't want to say forget it, but you know, just keep going is, do you think that we all should face it?
2: I do think we should because that when we don't face it, we face a lot of harsh consequences for that, that come out as, you know, possibly self-destructive behaviors or things that are really harmful or destructive to your relationships with people that are important to you in your life and can present as real barriers to living up to your potential and having meaningful relationships with your partner, with your family, with your friends, uh, with your coworkers.
0: Yes. Yeah. What is kind of like, you? there's like these three F's, mm. right? So it's like fight, flight, and freeze. And I think that that's really important to talk about because a lot of people don't know what their initial instinctual
2: right. response is. Can you explain to us the three Fs? Absolutely, so the three Fs, like you said, fight, flight, and freeze, um, they represent our response to a threat. It's our stress response. And there's actually a fourth option, which unfortunately doesn't start with an F, um, <laughs> but it's collapse or shut down. Okay. So we I have, know you know, we, we go to these, when we're exposed to a threat, um, you know, we have these responses that come from our primitive brain. And if we feel that we have the possibility of escape or defense, like we think we might be able to defend ourselves in the situation, we'll fight or flight. And that's our activation. That's us getting mobilized to fight or flight, get out of that situation or, or you know, be able to fight back. If we feel trapped or helpless, we may freeze. And mm-hmm. that actually serves the purpose of some different purposes, but there's not that kind of resistance from the the victim or the person or animal, you know, if we're talking about nature. Uh, and then there's the collapse or a shutdown state, which occurs when you're experiencing such intolerable pain. That could be logical or emotional pain or impending death where you actually just literally free you know, you collapse a- and um and dissociate and detach.
0: Mm, wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. I def- I'm definitely a flight person. Oh, so am I. Yeah. For sure.
2: I mean, it's like anything,
1: like any anxiety or anything, I'm like, I got to get out of here. It's like, that's yeah. like my initial instinct, totally. you know? Um, but I think that that's very interesting. I had no idea about the collapse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah know it's know not as catchy uh,
2: when it comes to the phrase, but in part, when we think about, you know, our responses and then also normalizing that for a lot of survivor trauma because they often blame themselves. They think, you know, because they froze or because they collapsed, because such a trapped helpless or intolerable pain situation that they blame themselves as I, I had no action or you know I didn't have agency I didn't do anything about it and in reality your body was doing the best it could in that moment to help right. you survive and it's something to really honor and and forgetting a situation uh, but then this is why also needing to address your trauma because you might get stuck in that. And, you know, that activation, whether if you're in that mobilization, you're a fight or flight person, right? Um, that to if you get stuck there, you tend to get into kind of an anxious trend or a hypervigilance. Um, right. And if you get stuck in one of the other, if a freeze or a collapse, you know, you can get stuck in more a depressive uh, and, you know, catatonic state where you're non-responsive to the world around you. You don't connect with others. Uh, And so again, if you don't address those underlying traumas, you might be living in those states or dropping into them because of different triggers you experience throughout the day or different experiences uh, that you're not even realizing.
0: Is that something that we can alter so like I know in in certain situations like flight is definitely the right way to respond right if there is a right or wrong right um but is it that is that something that you can I don't even want to say fix but like change within yourself if you know that you have a certain like a Mm -hmm. freeze response and you want to be more proactive when it comes to times that are very very you know, conflicting, right? Is that something that you can get, you know, that you can make happen,
2: like completely change your response system? Yeah, you can learn to change your response system. And the way that you would want to learn to change your response system is not to necessarily change one of those stress responses you know saying i'm going to go from being a freeze person to being a fight person right. but being you know being able to go primitive brain reptilian brain state of that kind of reactivity because that's when we're not making these decisions that are conscious you know you we get into those automatic responses that are just based for our survival but what you would want to be ideally is to be able to respond instead of feeling maybe triggered um you know, to go to one of those states to be able to respond from a, you know, a rational, logical, prefrontal cortex type place right. where you're making decisions based on, you know, the, the situation and not making decisions based on your fear-based instincts and your reactivity. Right. So good. I
1: love that. That's really actually super interesting. Um, I want to talk to you about the ego because
0: mm.
1: I, you know, Ego has like such a bad reputation. And I would love to know from your perspective, is it as bad as we think it is? Hmm.
2: I think like you said, ego has a bad reputation. Um, Ego means something different to a lot of people. Uh, But I think that people often have a negative association, they kind of associate the ego with narcissism or being self absorbed Mm -hmm. or selfish. Uh, And the reality is, Everything exists on a continuum or on a spectrum. And we want to have a certain level of ego, of course. You know, it's not that we want to be egoless. It, there is, there's a certain level at which we want to have. Ego serves as a drive. It's, you know, it's right. a drive in us, whether that's a drive to connect with other people or a drive to succeed in your job. Um, but if you leave it unchecked, it might be a drive that then puts you in this tunnel vision and you maybe neglect other parts of your life. Mm.
1: so how should we be like approaching you know you have mentioned something like the narcissistic way right which is like what ego is associated to so like what's like I guess my question is what's like the healthy way of like you know feeding your ego if that even Mm -hmm. exists
2: the healthy way of feeding your ego I think would look more like Mm self-care and self-love self-compassion and that's not necessarily you know just saying that you are um you know self not not saying that you're you know the best at everything in the world right but giving yourself the credit that you deserve for whatever it is that you are doing i think a lot of people struggle with accepting or receiving compliments or receiving positive regard because they don't hold that for themselves so if they don't believe it for themselves when no matter how many times you tell them you did so great on that podcast, or, you know, no matter how many times you tell them, um, if they don't believe it themselves, they're not going to internalize that. And so that self-care, that self-compassion needs to be there in order to receive and give. Right.
0: I love that. So I want to talk a little bit about 2020 in the year 2020 and all the struggles that so many people have faced. And it's, a plethora of them and many, many different, it's like I often say we're in the same storm, but not on the same boat. A lot of us are in negative headspaces right now. We're mourning the loss of life and also the loss of the old life and customs that we've had. Um, I wanna ask you like, how can we develop a better
2: outlook for the future and
0: the unknown mm. that's ahead of us?
2: I love that, that the, we're in the same storm, but in different boats. Um, you know, because because we are all we're experiencing similar things, we're having these shared traumas or shared experiences. Right. But everybody has their own nervous system, their own personal world, and then their own resources and their own worlds that they're also interacting with. Um, I think when it comes to accepting the uncertainty of the future, this year has really taught a lot of people to be able to tolerate uncertainty a little bit more. Because the reality is, pre COVID, post COVID we never know the future. Uh, You know, we only can know or control or be in the present, Um, the past. We can project what we think might happen in the future, but it it will always be uncertain. And so that's a lesson that's hard for people to accept because we want this control and we want to have an idea that if I prepare myself mentally for the worst Mm -hmm. case scenario, um, that when it happens, it won't be so painful. When it happens, I'll be prepared. And the reality is, you won't really be prepared. You may have experienced this personally or, or not, but, you know, sometimes we prepare emotionally for something that we think is going to happen that might, you know, some projected bad experience. And whether that loss happens or not, you could be suffering that whole time up until then, as, you know, as this anticipatory anxiety. And then if the event happens, you're probably still going to experience all your emotions and be you're still going to need to process that. And you're still going to go through that, but you had suffered all the time before that right. didn't really get you anywhere. Yes. Right.
0: So how can you, like, what is the goal mentally? Like every day, what what should you strive for when it comes to being healthy mentally? Even if, you know, because we do do this and I definitely do that. I'm like always thinking of worst case scenarios so that I become sort of numb right Right. inside so that when it does happen, if it does happen, I already experience that within, which is, I know a lot of people that this happens to. So what's like the the goal every day to just be like mentally healthy and not thinking of the future and not thinking of the past?
2: I think the overall goal, you know, has themes of balance Mm -hmm. and then being present. Um, but balance, you know, you need balance in all areas of your life and also being present. Like you said, we can't, you know, we can think about the past. We can think about the future, but we can only really be in the present, uh, no matter how much we want to be either way in any other place. Um, so being able to accept the present, enjoy the present, you know, commit fully to what you're doing. If you're going to lunch with a friend about all the work that you have to do after you're not really committing to that lunch and you're also not getting the work done. Right. So, you know, you put yourself in this double bind where at least commit. So then if you're going to just think about the work, go home and just do the work and right. be present with the work, but if you're going to go to lunch or you're going to do something, be present with it.
0: Oh my gosh. I love yeah. that. It's so true. Cause yeah. sometimes it's like, we don't really fully experience anything because no, we we we're like not here. And then we're not there. Like we're always, so yeah. I love that fully committing to whatever it is at hand. Yeah, it's like whatever decision
1: you make, commit to it 100% yes. and be there. I love that. I definitely have struggled with that in the, in the past of oh, just yeah. learning how to be present. And I'm like, wait, I'm, I'll be sitting there and be like, I'm present, I'm present. And I'm really not, you know, yeah. it's, it's like a
0: struggle. It is. It you is. know, but I love that. It's something to strive for, for sure.
2: Yeah. And it's not going to happen at night right? You know I mean, it's something that yeah. you have to practice being present because we can be aware of it, but it does take conscious effort to say, no, I'm going to commit to this, whatever it is that I'm doing in this moment.
1: Right. I love that. So Sage, oftentimes like, you know, we hear this a lot in, in therapy or even just like people that we speak to, you know, and they're just like, acknowledge your feelings. So let's say like, if you're sad today or, or Any other feeling, you know, acknowledge them, it's great. Feel all the feels, right? <laughs> that famous, I'd say, feeling all the feels. But sometimes, you know, I wonder to my, I, I, you know, we often chat about this and we're just like, to what point are we, can we soak in in our feelings and be okay? And to what point can we soak in in our feelings and do actual harm long term where it could hinder us? What are your thoughts on that?
2: It's a common question, you know, it, it's very difficult and painful to be in tough emotions you know to be in grief to be in anger um right. but it the thing about feelings as much as we might dislike some of them they are present when they're present and we can put them down and we can try to ignore them but it's kind yeah. you know similar to trauma where they will find other ways to come out and those ways might be more harmful to you than mm. actually sitting and tolerating feeling really sad um, I think like you described where sometimes people, they, they're they afraid that they're gonna get stuck in their feelings if they feel them for too long, or yeah. if I allow myself to feel sad, I'll just cry. Um, and that comes from a place of not allowing yourself to tolerate emotions over time. Because when we push them down and push them down and push them down, then something small might push us to that point of feeling so sad or or so overwhelmed that we do break down and we feel very out of control. And that's, again, something that feels scary for people. So then they associate expressing emotion with feeling scared or it being a scary experience that they're out of control of. So if we actually take the time to be present with our feelings, to experience them, process them on an ongoing basis, then they don't build up and kind of or come out or manifest in these other ways that actually then kind of scare us into not expressing ourselves even more. Yes. Right.
0: Oh, that's so good. That is so good. And especially, you know, the, just the fear of like, if I were to allow myself to feel this, like it's either going to be a painful or it's just going to linger yeah. for so long. and. You don't want to be in a negative headspace, right? Like, what are some of your tips when it comes to... And and it's so funny because we often know, right? We ourselves know, like, I'm being negative right now. But, like, you just can't help it, right? You, like, you know, everybody's like, think positive. They tell you this. But it's like, this is my reality and it sucks, right? And I'm just... It could seem negative, but this is the truth. This is my truth in the moment. Right. Like, what, what are some tips that you can offer anybody right now, including me, because mm-hmm. I think that this is all very valuable tips. Mm-hmm. Like when you are just like in that negative perspective and you just can't shake it off, like what is what are your tips for people who are dealing with that?
2: There's a time and a place for us to experience our emotions. Sometimes we don't get to choose that time and place. Um, But if we can, you know, because sometimes we, like you said, sometimes you're, you do need to get through your work day, and you can't just be feeling feelings all day. Um, And that's the reality, you know, recognize that there is, there's a, there's a to, you know, being able to set our feelings aside and get things done, and be productive. uh, But then also recognizing, okay, well, when am I going to address these feelings? Uh, You know, and and when am I going to process this? I think. Another part of it is being able to again, tolerate the discomfort and learning that it will pass. Feelings are temporary and that feelings also are not facts. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to people kind of uh, maybe living in a a mindset where they feel like they're too negative, you know feelings aren't facts you can feel like you are a complete failure but the, maybe mm. you failed a test or maybe you failed at something right. but you know being able to reality check your thoughts and and find that actually again kind of a more balanced thought rather than an all or nothing thought so that's where sometimes people get in that um, pessimist or they feel like they're too pessimistic or uh, negative yep. is being able to reality check their thoughts and say okay is this actually the end of the world or is it just a really bad day? Right. You know, and that's a, like, it's allowed, you're allowed to have a really bad day.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Because it's not going to take control of your life. It's just going to it's be, it's be there. Reality track right.
0: feeling. Exactly. I love
1: that. I really I'm love that. I'm taking that with me.
0: <laughs> that is awesome advice. Um,
1: Sage. So the, the media, okay. And it's like across all medias, they can be extreme and they can try to alter perspectives and realities for most people especially on social um, because it feels a little bit more intimate versus like television at least for our generation and you know on our show our goal is always to generate their own perspectives we want our audience to hear the information and generate their own perspective but when our audience or even us we're consuming all types of information all day how can we take a step back and say okay let me process this, but be confident with your own thoughts and your own perspective, like not feel this pressure that you have to like agree or think a certain way, like everyone else. What are your thoughts on that? How can we take control of our mental um I want I, I had a great word and I lost it, but like our mental real estate, I guess how yeah. can we take how can we take control of our mental state?
2: Taking control of our mental real estate, I love that. <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to information being put out there or what we're kind of soaking up or taking in we want to be mindful of how much time we're spending soaking up information rather than how much you know as opposed to how much time we're spending processing that information and actually feeling it and another piece of it is that no matter what you put out there you know, no matter what you put out there no matter what the media each person is going to interpret it and read it through their own lens and so you know the things in the media that persuade people to believe different things but at the same time everyone is going to interpret it on their own nervous system's level and it's kind of like i see it like a piece of art you know you maybe you make a painting and you put it up on the wall mm. and every person that looks at it is going to see something different and you have no control over that part right. uh you know but you can control what you put out there and how you process it but you can't control what other people are going to do with that information
1: yeah. I love that. It's like a piece of art. And it's so true. Right. Because sometimes we all stand in front of the same painting and we're just like, I don't get it. Or some people are like, I see it. You know, it's just it's right. very interesting. Right. The human mind, how it's sort of like,
0: yeah. I don't know how it processes. We see it through our own lens, our own yeah. experiences. Exactly. You know, I mean, when it comes to art, I fully understand it. When it comes to media, I definitely think that they're trying to persuade us into one into one realm. And, you know, I mean, for me, at least, I've just been on this mission of like protecting my mind. Right. Because mm. I do. And I'm so curious to know like your professional thoughts on just because like I was I had a relationship in my past that I was completely gaslighted and I didn't know. Until Mm -hmm. I started researching it, and now that I understood gaslighting, Mm -hmm. every time I look at the media, I'm like, they're gaslighting. (laughs) So I, I, but again, I'm not a professional in mental health, so I would love to know your, just your thoughts in the sense of like the media and where they're at um, as far as you know gaslighting and manipulation and all of that. What are your professional mental health thoughts on this?
2: I encourage people to really be mindful of their media consumption and think about you know there are people that kind of check the news all day every hour or every 30 minutes or even more than that there's there's people that check the media all day and so thinking about what purpose is this serving Uh, am I checking this because I actually need to know this information that's going to change what I'm going to do in this hour or am I checking this for another reason maybe because I'm anxious maybe because I'm avoiding something else, so you know. Then being able to acknowledge, okay, I need to actually deal with these other things, uh, but then saying, okay, what do I actually need? If I just need the information that's going to help me understand, feel informed about the where you know where my city's at or what I need to know about you know the news, uh, then usually, like less than two hours, I'd say, like thirty minutes in the morning, thirty minutes in the evening will cover it. Uh, so you know, just kind of checking that part of it.
1: Yeah, you know it's funny. I did that timer thing on my phone with social media, and it freaked. One time, it told me how much. I don't want to tell you how long I spent there. What but eight I, hours? It was a. It oh was like God. a ridiculous <laughs> number. And I. And you know it's funny because you it's you terrible. go throughout the day, and you know. I was like, well, I wasn't sitting down for eight hours looking at social, but when I look at the day, right, from the moment I got up to the moment I went to sleep, I mean, it's it's not good, yeah. right? You kind of um, you need to take that moment mm-hmm. to actually be in your own reality, mm. right? Because um, I felt like that happened to me. I was like, the phone, the TV that's not my reality. I'm going to consume it. I'm going to understand it, but I have to be present. I have to look around, you know, because it started to freak me out. I don't know if a lot of your clients I'm sure have experienced this, but that timer thing is a little bit intense. I'll tell you that. Yeah.
2: I think, you know, the idea of protecting your mind and uh, protecting your energy is really important mm. um, and thinking about who am I who and what am I allowing to influence my happiness or my reality and my mind mental health so you know having that idea of okay what feels replenishing for me what feels re-energizes me or recharges me and maybe it is scrolling through social media kind okay of, there's no right and wrong way but for some people it might be scrolling through and that's their way of just kind of relaxing and other people it might be you know reading a book or just being alone and other people it might be going and being around their friends or chatting with a bunch of friends on a zoom or whatever you can do at this point in time (laughs) but for people that need to be social right and so just protecting your mental energy and thinking about where am i investing my mental energy and how am i putting like wh- how am i putting back into my mental energy realm you know how am i refilling my own cup because we can't pour from an empty cup oh yeah oh, for sure that. and
1: we talk about this all the time whatever you invest you should be getting something out of it and that includes entertainment and all that stuff definitely. so you should be getting an roi in your investment oh, yeah. of consumption <laughs>
0: definitely sage i want you to talk about Frame yes. because we love the work that you're doing. And we think that this is such a valuable resource to everyone listening on right now. So talk to us a little bit about your work with Frame.
2: Frame is a mental wellness platform, childhood friend of mine, Kendall Bird, And Frame was built to be able to make therapy more accessible to people in a few different ways. And we do that by offering free digital discussions, which are therapist-led conversations. That cover mental wellness topics, and they're designed to destigmatize mental health and give people an idea of what therapy is like, as well as give people some actionable tools and things that they can kind of walk away with, like these, you know, things that we've talked about. Um, and then we also have a service right now because of, you know, because we're a company, we've only been able to launch our uh, in Los Angeles and then kind of the Southern area, um, and so that's for the therapy matching feature, which allows you to go on, create a profile, answer a few questions, and then get matched with a therapist that is suited to your needs and kind of what you're putting or what you're looking for.
0: That is so awesome. Awesome. Where can they go to find this and and join this incredible community? Mm
2: yeah so they can go to our website which is tryframe.com and that's where they can see all the discussions as well as match with a therapist and virtual the therapists themselves they can go there and they can sign up and become a provider too okay. um and then they can also look at our instagram where we update content which is try.frame um and and those are our main outlets we also have a facebook group um and youtube channel that's very new uh, but but you the best place to go like, to start would be the website or, or, or Instagram. That is so awesome.
1: I love it. Oh my gosh. Sage, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being on our show today and sharing so much value with us and our yes. community. We're very grateful. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been Pleasure pleasure to get to chat with you and connect with some new people because all of our worlds right now, we have to be really mindful about making new connections because those new connections aren't going to happen organically like they might in our pre-COVID world where you are interacting with more people on a daily basis. Absolutely.
1: I love it. Oh, Sage, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to check out Frame at www.tryframe.com where you can tune in to a digital discussion or use
0: their matching tool to find the right therapist for your specific needs. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. This helps us bring you powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. We encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time. Always love. Melissa And Stephanie Carcace.